and welcome to the Channel V6 Podcast. I'm your host, David Gale. The Channel V6 Podcast covers all the unique and diverse topics that matter most to you, the Uinta Basin resident. Subscribe to listen to in-depth conversations about the local issues that affect us all. Today's guests are Kirk Benj, Health Officer and Director of Tri-County Health Department, and Shelly Martinez, Representative of Uinta Basin Community Action Group. And before we get to our highly anticipated topic of the day, first let me tell you all about our primary sponsor, which is Larson Haslam Dental. At Larson Haslam Dental, their amazing team is dedicated to not only improving your oral health, but to also restore and maintain your overall health. Are you unhappy with your dental insurance or don't have dental insurance? Larson Haslam Dental has the solution. It's the Larson Haslam Savings Plan. Call to discuss the details and see how much you can save with this great plan. Larson Haslam Dental has the most state-of-the-art equipment in our area, providing you and your entire family with all your dental needs. They offer implants, implant-supported dentures, root canals, same-day crowns, and a laser that treats small decay spots in children without getting numb. Larson Haslam Dental is a comprehensive dental office that is happy to treat your whole family from young to old. They also have the most fun and best staff around. Call now and mention you heard the ad on Channel V6 Podcast, and they'll schedule a free consultation to see if the Larson Haslam Savings Plan is a good fit for you. You can call 781-2729 or go online at larsonhaslamdental.com. All right, once again, we have a very special guest today about a very special topic, one that for sure uh, most of you listeners or uh, viewers out there probably have an opinion on. And so uh, we're going to be talking about COVID and specifically about the uh, restrictions, uh, mandates, requirements, or recommendations that have been given by the CDC or by uh, local and state authorities and uh, the differing opinions on that. Now, Typically, in a situation like this, one might consider this a debate. We've already had this discussion before we uh, went live on the air here. But for those of you viewers and listeners out there, um, we understand that this is a very hot topic and want you to understand that um, from V6 Media's point of view, this is an opportunity to share uh, differing points of view um, in a um, non-debate format, meaning uh, I won't be acting as a moderator. I will be acting as someone who simply asks questions and allows both sides to have their say. Uh, and this will be a civil discourse in which we can be respectful to one another and allow you, the audience, to then take what you will from uh, both sides of the issue. Uh, that being said, allow me to introduce again our guests. Starting on my left is Shelly Martinez. She's one of our the representatives of a, um, a community action group known as the Unibasin Community Action uh, Committee or group. Um, and on my right, we have the uh, latest director or new director of the Tri-County Health Department. This is Kirk Benj, uh, who joins us. Um, I believe you started in January. Yeah, yeah, just barely. I mean, that feels just barely. I yeah. guess it's been a few months <laughs> now, but... Uh, yeah, just started in January. Happy to be okay. here. Thanks for having us. Well, why don't we go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll start over here, Kirk, and let you introduce yourself and and tell us, for those who maybe aren't familiar with how Tri-County Health works, give us just a, a general idea of um, your responsibilities, the responsibilities of the health department, um, who you are governed by, who you who your answer to, basically who your boss is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, uh, after that, come back over to Shelly and let her introduce uh, herself and the Uinta Basin Community Action Group. Sure. Yeah. So Tri-County Health Department, we're the local health department. We represent, um, you know, the three counties in the area, Daggett, Duchesne, and Uinta counties. 
And, um, you know, public health um, in Utah, you know, it really got its start uh, under Brigham Young. It started as a sanitation department because of issues where people were building uh, outhouses close to other people's drinking water. Okay. And, and, and so obviously that's bad and people were getting sick. And so they started the first health department to try to prevent illness, unnecessary illness in the population. And it's grown from there. And we've been through various things, you know, throughout the history of Utah. We, we had a flu pandemic in 1918 where we, uh, where the health departments really stepped in and tried to issue orders of quarantine and isolation to try to prevent the spread of that flu and try to help protect, um, communities, um, but really, public health got its heyday uh, with the advent of vaccines once we learned how to treat and eradicate, prevent, right, smallpox, um, diphtheria, uh, you know, the big ones, measles, mumps, rubella, uh, polio was a huge one. And so uh, a lot of research goes into trying to figure out how we can prevent disease as opposed to just wait until somebody gets sick and then treat the individual what we are 100% devoted to is trying to prevent people from getting sick or dying unnecessarily. So that's really what we are. And, and so, you know, my background is in public health. I've worked in public health my, my entire career. I started as a microbiologist for the state health department, working mostly with respiratory viruses and rabies viruses. But, um, you know, I've moved from that into, um, you know, different roles, but I've spent about the last uh, four years or so in uh, San Juan County as the director of the health department in San Juan County, uh, you know, Blanding, Bluff, Monticello area and the Four Corners area of the state and uh, came up here about, I guess it's almost been three months, three months ago. Yeah. And and from the health department's point of view, um, marching orders, um who who controls ultimately the health department? So I answer to the board of health. So the the board of health uh, is comprised of local elected officials and uh, local elected, um, non-elected, I guess, community members. So it's a it's a combination of elected officials and members of our community uh, that oversee and and hold me accountable to try to be uh, focused on preventing. Um, preventing disease and promoting healthy lifestyles. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Shelly Martinez with the UNO Basin Community Action Group. Welcome. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and about the group itself, how it came to be, its history, and, and where we are now. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I am a lifelong resident of Vernal. I was born here in the UNO County Hospital, which its footprint is under our current hospital. It doesn't exist. Um, I've lived here my whole life, and sometimes I've caught some flack for that, being, you know, the little country bumpkin or the hick from the sticks. You know how people refer to us as we're here in the basin and they move on to the cities or, or whatever. But the current situations, I am more than blessed to be here in Uinta County and not be in some of these more metropolis cities and uh, places that... Maybe not, they don't have our same beliefs. Um, to talk about Uena Basin Community Action, uh, it started actually with just a phone call from a friend of mine who said, hey, Shelly, I've been talking to some other people. This was in about the middle of January. And he said, you know, we're really concerned about the things that are happening here and our freedoms that are being taken away and, and the threats that we feel to our lifestyle. How do you feel? And I said, I feel the same. He said, I think we should get together. 
So we started just calling friends and, and saying, let's get together. On January 27th, we had our first meeting and there were about 35 people there. And they showed up and they just, they just wanted to know where they could contribute. Um, they wanted to be heard. They wanted to know some facts. They felt like they're just being told one point of view. There's, there's no discussion. There's no second point of view. So they came, and we happened to find out that Desiree Allridge is another member of our group. I did not know her at the moment, but she had, at that time, but she had arranged for Eric Mutsos to come and bring the non-essential documentary, which he created. So we had set up um, showings of that on the 5th of February, where we had 400 people come to see this film. We had 400 people in the theater. We're probably the health department's greatest nightmare because we do not wear masks. Um, <clears throat> we also had question and answer after that film. There was an overflow of people. We couldn't fit any more people, so we had to do a second showing. The sheriff actually came to our second showing. Someone had called him during the show and said, why aren't you here? And he said, I'm having dinner with my mom, so we'll excuse him for dinner with mom. But he came to talk and let us know that, you know, where he stands as law enforcement. And he stands on the constitutional aspects. And he has said that he will not enforce these mandates, the masks, and um, requiring businesses to do those things. He has more important things to do than taking care of masks. Um, we had such a great demand for the show. We had eight more showings on February 12th through the 15th. Roosevelt then had their very first meeting for a community action group on February 16th. In the time that the six weeks, I mean, we're, we're brand new, we're a little newborn organization, but we have had an event where we had two doctors come and talk about their point of view on masks and, and the injection. And um, we have had uh, people come and talk to us about encryption phones where you have more privacy on a blockchain technology. <clears throat> Excuse me. We did come up with a mission statement, so I would like to read that if that's okay. Sure. We are a group of people answering the call to stand for God, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and securing a future of constitutional freedom for our children through legislation, community-based education, and self-sufficiency preparedness. These were the, the common thread of people's concerns, things that were going on with our legislation, the laws that were being made, the election issues. Um, also, we want to be able to teach our children and have community activities that teach our children service, that teach our children patriotism, that teach them to have a... a um, have value and, and a love for where they live and for, for the freedoms that we have. We've lost that. We're very concerned about the curriculum that is in our schools and the things that they are teaching our children. Um, the other thing is self-sufficiency preparedness because people are very concerned about the things that could happen here, whether we were cut off with trucking or electricity or what it might be. So we have a lot of people coming together with their expertise in things like greenhouses and wildcrafting herbs in our area to make holistic um, cough syrups and, and things that people have been doing here for years. And we just want to bring people together to, to have sources, to take care of ourselves here. We can make the biggest difference right here in our community. And so that's where we want to focus. Okay. 
So uh, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase a couple of things. It, it, it seems like um, uh, you've got a, a group of community members who felt like there wasn't some sort of formal organization for um, some of the concerns that this group had, specifically when it, came, when it comes to what um, mandates or other requirements uh, when it comes to COVID or, or otherwise uh, has done to personal freedom. Um, and, and then there's a lot of other things that have kind of tied into this group as well as, as far as school curriculum and, and what's being taught kids when it comes to, uh, self-sufficiency and, and, and being as a group self-sufficient and being able to teach each other how to take care of one another. Um, and so with, with, uh, several different kind of pillars, it feels like that makes up what this group is, what is the, um, uh, is there is there a trajectory for the group? Is there is there something that the group is ultimately uh, trying to become or achieve, uh, or are we still in in sort of a, a growth phase, a discovery period for the group? A little of both. Um, we do have plans. We are putting together a website where you could sign up for these different programs that interest you. Not everyone is interested in legislation. Mm-hmm. No, they don't want to participate in that. Not everyone's interested in the different topics. So we are planning to have different uh, organizations that you could join and be part of and contribute. And we want to work with other organizations in the community and just multiply our efforts with many, many hands doing many different things, yet be able to have some kind of a, a correlation of what's happening Okay. So people are aware. Yeah. Now, I I know that there's there's a lot of uh, different topics and and different um, missions that that the group can be moving towards. But as of this moment, is there um, the thing that's at the top of the list? I, I know that I saw mm-hmm. sort of a um, a creed that went out uh, about um, some some choices that the group wanted the public to make come March 1st. Is is that at the top of the list or is there something else? That is one. That was the lockdown is in the USA is over, mm-hmm. is a promotion. Um, and what it basically said there is that we need to have choice, that things need to not be mandated, that you need to have a choice in wearing a mask. Businesses need to have a choice in what they have to do to, to combat this. Um, it's been targeted so much against small businesses. They've shut down small businesses. Um, we really believe that a lot of these things that we are focusing have the same people behind them, that there's the same motive behind, say, election problems, behind legislative and school problems, behind the government overreach of health and wellness. And a lot of it has to do with money. And these organizations and people, they bow down to money and they're afraid to not stand up for their rights because of money. It came down even with fines and things that the businesses were threatened with, that they would be shut down or fined if they didn't comply. But yet you can go to these big businesses. We're all being funneled into the big business, to the big tech, to the Walmarts, to the Home Depots, the Lowe's, the large grocery stores where all of the little businesses on in town cannot operate. My husband and I operate a photography studio. It was very heavily affected because we do a lot of little league sport photos. We do all the little pictures of the little kids and their teams. Those events were canceled. High school graduations were canceled. Um, 
the lab that I used to process all my stuff, 20 years, that lab I've used them, they went out of business because their main source was all of these schools and sports and, and the kids' photography. Um, <clears throat> it's just, I don't, I don't know whether there's something more I, I want to say on that. Well, that's okay. Not, well, I mean, from, from what I've taken from you, there, there, there seems to be um, uh, a little bit of, um, maybe anger's not the word, but uh, certainly disappointment in, in how you perceive how mandates, uh, whether it's um, masks or otherwise, have affected small businesses, especially locally, um, uh, compared to larger businesses. And I think I'd like to, to take this as a pivot point to jump back now um, over to uh, Kirk and Tri-County Health Department to get uh, maybe just a little bit of a response um, when it comes to the idea of what kind of mandates there have been since uh, the COVID outbreak and what Tri-County has um, either done or not done in um, enforcing. I, I know that Tri-County isn't necessarily an enforcement arm, but certainly um, the community well, looks to Tri-County We for... have an enforcement aspect, and I think that's that's one of the issues maybe that we, we could talk about. And I think, you know, we'd probably get along really well outside of COVID um, because one of the things that we promote is, you know, preparedness for disasters. Uh, and you can get on our website and, and we can help people plan for that. Uh, that's part of our role in the community. Uh, you know, but ultimately we're, we're here to protect health. And so when we talk about freedom, you know, we live in a, in a society, in a community, and we have to respect um, bounds in order to protect other people because everyone should have the freedom to be healthy. And so the issue that we run into is if you've got, let's say you've got a mine near your home, are they allowed to just let their waste flow into your well water? No. Can your neighbor um, put um, a septic system that's going to contaminate your well? No. And how do we enforce those things? At what level does your, a, uh, your right to do whatever you want, I can put my septic system wherever I want on my property, when does it in, in, you know, infringe on someone else's right to have clean drinking water? And those are really difficult. Um, you know, that's where the rub is, right? And so we are an enforcement arm, and we always have been. And, and part of what we do is we enforce those types of rules and regulations. We sit down and we say, what is safe? What protects the health of you? Uh, and we say, okay, you know, maybe it's 100 feet. Maybe we need to ensure that no septic systems can be sold, installed within 100 feet of her drinking water. And then we set a rule. And we say, no one can install a septic system. Now, that might really impact a, in a particular situation. Somebody may not be able to build on their property now because if they do, it's going to be within 100 feet of, of somebody else's existing well, and they may be very upset. But these are the issues that we have to face, and we have to be able to confront it, and we have to stick with the science and the facts, and we have to say, hey, you can't do that right now because that impacts somebody's ability to stay healthy. And so that's very much the situation that we found ourselves in with COVID. If we had done nothing, our hospitals would have been overwhelmed. We would not have had enough hospital beds for everybody that needed one. That's just the fact. Now, where do we draw that line? That's always the difficult piece. We, we look for the best evidence that we have, and we try to come up with the least invasive solution that's still going to protect health. In this particular situation, that was masks. 
But I do want to draw one point, which is that your business wasn't shut down. We didn't go out and shut down many businesses. What we did do was we instituted health protections, and that impacted businesses, right? When you institute a health protection that says kids can't get together to play softball, there are ripple effects to that, and that impacts businesses. But the driving force of this wasn't to shut down businesses. The driving force of this was to protect our hospitals so that if you got COVID, when you get COVID, you have a hospital bed and you can get the best treatment possible. There's no reason for people to die needlessly in this situation. And so that's really been the approach, right? And I think what we're all experiencing right now is deep frustration. I mean, this virus has not been fair. It hasn't been fair at all. Um, and if you've known anybody that's contracted it and been hospitalized, or if you, you know, unfortunately know any of the people that have died, it's been terrifying. Um, and we're all struggling with that rub of, you know, when do my freedoms get impacted by something that is aimed at protecting other people's health? And it can be frustrating. I've met people over the years that have been incredibly frustrated by some of the regulations that we have, whether that's food preparation, they really feel like they should be able to prepare food however they want. And we have strict rules on temperature. And, and we, you know, we may go in and shut down a restaurant if they're not following those rules because it endangers your health. And you don't know as a customer going into that restaurant that you might get poisoned. We know that and we will shut people down. And it's, it's frustrating and they get very frustrated. And at the same time, here we are today talking about masks and people have been very frustrated, rightfully so. This is an unfair virus. It it came out of the blue. It's impacted all of us in different ways. And I fully expect people to be frustrated and continue to be frustrated. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we got vaccines um, developed in record time, partly because we had a little bit of warning with some of the SARS pandemics that had happened in the past. We'd already done some preliminary research on uh, coronavirus vaccines. We knew kind of what would work and what wouldn't. And so to take the research that's been done when we find a new version of this virus and to put it into something that we know works and get it out there, really all we've been waiting for this entire time was for the manufacturing piece to get up to speed so that we could produce enough vaccine to get it out to the public. And, uh, you know, the logistics of just getting the millions of syringes and the millions of vials and all of those ingredients and getting it all together and getting it out. The logistics are huge, um, but we're doing it. We're actively engaged in it. And we've been vaccinating about between four and 500 people every single day here in the Tri-County area um, for the last several weeks. And that vaccine is moving forward. We've now vaccinated about 65% of the population over 60 in this area. We've vaccinated approximately 30 to 35 percent of people um, between. I take that back. I think it's uh, I think it's about 65 percent of people over 70 and about 30 percent of people between 60 and 70. And we've now expanded that down as we've gotten more vaccine available. And anybody over the age of 50 is welcome to come and get vaccinated for this virus. And the faster that we can all just get vaccinated, faster things will get back to normal. Um, we're probably going to have pockets of individuals who don't want to get vaccinated or worried about vaccination. Uh, and we may continue to see outbreaks in those populations. And we'll probably continue to see some hospitalizations and probably some people will die 
who have refused to get vaccinated. Um, but overall, the majority of us will be able to move forward and we will be able to, you know, reduce these restrictions really rapidly as we get people vaccinated because the risk now of overwhelming our hospitals um, declines rapidly as we get as we get vaccines into arms and people have have immunity. So the whole goal of this vaccine is for us to take a part of that virus that we know exists and boost your natural immunity. We just want to put that virus in your blood so your body can see it and you can boost your natural immunity. That's the whole purpose. It works incredibly well. We've done it with hundreds of viruses over the years. Uh, our goal is to boost your natural immunity to this virus so that we can go about our lives. We've done it with polio. We've done it with smallpox. We've done it with measles, mumps, rubella. Um, and we're doing it now with COVID. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot that we can talk about uh, from your response here. Um, I, I think that what I'd like to do is uh, maybe just take the, you know, you had said that the point of Tri-County Health or, or any health department is simply to not necessarily purposely shut down uh, establishments, but to provide a means for the best, best health opportunity for people, which may result in certain activities or things being shut down. And, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration is happening right now is the question of how long does that have to go on for? Um, certainly, we have vaccines coming now, but I, I guess, Shelly, I want to I come back to you now. And, and from the point of view of uh, the Una Basin Community Action Group, um, I, I know that the that the creed that was put out, I keep using this word creed, I'm not sure that's the right thing to call it, but mission statement. the mission statement that came out that basically said, we're not wearing masks anymore, we're not uh, social oh, distancing. The yeah, the lockdown. The, the lockdown. Um, I, I'm wondering if there, if there was any thought into where the line had to be drawn, meaning were masks ever appropriate from, from the point of view of uh, the community action group? And if if not, why? Or if so, um, how do you judge when it's time to be done with them? I mean, obviously now it's time to be done from from your point of view. But how, how did how did the group get to that point? Were masks always no good? It's it wasn't the group. The group did not make that decision. Okay. Most of these people who came to our group have not been wearing masks. They had decided themselves that they did not want to wear masks. Uh-huh. Mask, the science of masks, I don't see any studies where the sciences are that it works. Oh, there's plenty. Where? Where? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's, we'll take, we'll take one, one time, at a, one step at a time here. Not on Facebook, probably. I guess. No. <laughs> so, not on Facebook, not on social media, not in mainstream media. They, so, so Shelly, you're, you're saying that there's, there's no scientific evidence that masks I work. don't know that there's not, but okay. we've not been presented with it. Um, masks is a reductionary science. What they've done is taken the illness and said, okay, masks, masks will solve it. It's the droplet. It's one, one thing of the immune system, one way of spreading the virus. It's like the story of the blind men seeing the elephant. And you have the one man touching the tail and he says, oh, it's a rope. It's like a rope. And the, trunk, the legs are like tree trunks and the nose is like a snake. Well, these blind men, they don't have the full picture. Our body, our immune system is a system, and there are so many things involved. 
one of the doctors that we have um, come to to look at and look at his website and his science is Dr. Shiva. Um, and he is a PhD from MIT. He has a PhD from MIT in biological engineering. He studies systems. And so he, through his study of the immune system, is talking about the microbiome of your mouth, microbiome of your gut. When you put that mask on your mouth, you raise the temperature in your mouth, you become breathing, you dry out your mouth, you raise the pH, you become acidic. In your mouth, you have 700 bacteria that live there. It's a jungle. There's all kinds of stuff in there. But when these factors change in your mouth, the bad bacteria, there are three of them that grow stronger. These three bacteria, and you can go to his website. It's va, like victorashiva.com forward slash mask forward slash. And he has three studies there that show that um, there wasn't any difference. They studied in hospitals. They, they did a lot of different things. But the microbiome, then if you have those increased bacteria, you are affecting your immune system. You are affecting the immune system, the um, inflammation system, and affecting your bones. It causes gum disease, tooth decay. Doc dentists are reporting increased numbers of this because of wearing the masks. Doctors are reporting that they're getting staph infections, faces break out. You know, I, I watched my own grandson over Christmas break when he didn't have to wear that mask, his skin cleared up. The gut health is the second brain. What's going on in the gut also affects your brain. And there are studies that say that this can affect and give you neurological problems. We also have another doctor who is, uh, she is a specialist from Germany. She has five um, licenses to practice in five different countries. Her name is Margareta, I probably butcher her name, Gries Brizon. And I'd just like to read to you what she says about the neurological problems with uh, deprivation of air. Well, how, how long is it? Very short. Okay, let's, sure, why not? Okay, the rebreathing of our exhaled air will without a doubt cause oxygen deficiency and a flooding of carbon dioxide. We know that the human brain is very sensitive to oxygen deprivation. There are nerve cells, for example, in the hippocampus that can't be longer then three minutes without oxygen. They cannot survive. The acute warning symptoms are headaches, drowsiness, dizziness, issues of concentration, slowing down the reaction time and reactions of cognitive system. However, when you have chronic oxygen deprivation, all of these symptoms disappear because you get used to it all. But your efficiency will remain impaired and your undersupply of oxygen in your brain continues to progress. We know that neurodegenerative diseases take years or decades to develop so if today you forget your phone number, the breakdown in your brain would have already started 20 to 30 years ago. So can can I can I jump in here really quick? Um because I I think that we're getting to uh, at least from my opinion based off of conversations on Facebook which isn't really worth much of anything. <laughs> but um we're getting to the crux of why there is a division among something that it appears that we should all have an agreement on. And that is, um, Shelley has um, facts, information from scientific resources that she has got that seem to confirm um, uh, opinions or feelings that she has or her group has 
uh, about uh, a certain subject, in this case, COVID, masks, and otherwise. But I'm pretty sure that if I come over here to Kirk and ask you what scientific information, research-based, does Tri-County Health have to have its convictions in wearing masks or social distancing or otherwise, that you would be able to come up with a, a similar number if, you know, I guess the number of them isn't important, but that you would come up with other scientific research from other doctors that would prove your point. Yeah, and the difference is probably that what I would present, and I don't have anything with me, I didn't bring any papers, but what I would present would probably be peer-reviewed by multiple scientists. And, you know, it's hard to reach a consensus in the medical world, right? We, we, We will look at something and one person will say, hey, I found this evidence of X. And, and another scientist will say, okay, let me look at that. I don't know if I believe you. And then another doctor might come in and say, well, let me look at that. And so we have a system in place that's, that's functioned pretty well now for hundreds and hundreds of years, which is what we, you know, what we call peer review, where we, you know, anyone can, can, can find a scientific study. They can publish that. And she's named a couple of there. And, and then what we do is we ask other scientists to review that work. And we come up with a consensus. And it takes time. And, and that's one of the frustrating things is it takes time to get a consensus. And I, I think we've one of the reasons that masks were implemented is because we know that it can prevent the spread of airborne disease and, and droplet-borne disease. We know that. That's why your doctor wears a mask when he operates on you. That's why I wore a mask eight hours a day when I worked in the laboratory when I was pipetting respiratory viruses so that I wouldn't inhale them and get sick and take that home to my family. Um, masks work. They don't cause you to hyperventilate or re-breathe your air. You can still breathe effectively through them. Um, there are, you know, issues that come with masks. I, I always look forward to my, uh, hour lunch when I worked in the laboratory and I was wearing a mask eight hours a day because I just get tired of wearing it. It gets uncomfortable, it gets sweaty, uh, but it works. It's very effective at what it does. It prevents me from inhaling. It prevented me from inhaling viruses in that environment. Now, what we're looking at with COVID as things progressed is what can we do so we don't have to close businesses, right? Because I've got an 80-year-old grandma who is literally at risk of dying, but I would like for her to still be able to go grocery shopping. And what can we do? We can all wear masks. That will reduce the risk of her getting sick and dying and still let her go to your business, to shop, to buy flowers for a husband on the anniversary. So what we were looking for is we we're looking for the balance, the thing that would pr- protect health. It didn't protect it 100%. We still are seeing deaths. People have died from this. But what we did is we found the balanced approach that was the least impact on you while still protecting her. And that was for us all to wear masks. Um, and, and it's been working pretty well. Um, I would have liked for it to have worked better. I would have liked for it to have prevented all cases, but it, life is messy, and it doesn't always work out that way. Um, boy, I, there's there's a lot of directions I can go, but I just realized that uh, we're about halfway through our time here, and so i got to make sure that we get in our other sponsors here um, because it's because of them that we get to do things like this. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Carl's Carpet in the Unibasin here. They are the uh, Unibasin's premier installer of flooring, window coverings, and custom organizers. They've been family-owned and operated for over 50 years. For a free estimate, go see them today in Roosevelt or on the web at Carl's with a K. That's carlscarpet.com. The carpet is with a C. 
Also, Channel V6 has delivered high, uh, high sports. They've delivered high school sports. How about that? Local news and community events to Basin Revs residents for uh, years. And now everything offered on the website is available in the palm of your hand through the new Channel V6 mobile app. You can watch sports and other events live or view them on demand at your convenience all on your mobile device. Channel, 6 v, Channel V6 mobile app is available uh, for iOS and for Android. Okay, so um, we know that it's... Um, I, I don't know what every, anyone's perception of how long COVID was going to be around, but um, I think we're about a year in since um, restrictions uh, were put in place, since mandates started. It feels like that. Is, mm -hmm. is Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong on there. March 13th. Okay. Um, and whether whether you feel like masks were of no use at all or they're of high use, um, I think that a, a question that anybody would ask is, well, how much longer? Um, and I'm, I'll, I'll turn back the attention here to Tri-County Health first. Um, what information do we have from the state or from the CDC on, is there an actual line that when we cross that we can say, yes, we don't need the masks anymore, or is this going to be into forever, into perpetuity? Oh, it's it's not going to be into perpetuity um, by any means. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're quickly approaching that threshold. You know, the issue with the virus really is that it, um, it's nature, and nature is messy, right? So it spreads sporadically. What we see is outbreaks among populations, and gradually that increases as more and more people spread it, right? And so our goal has been to try to—you probably saw—I think there were a lot of memes and stuff on, on Facebook and stuff talking about flattening that curve. Um, you know, how can we prevent— a huge spike in the number of people that are being hospitalized. And really, that's been our goal. And, and masks were, were one way to get that. Uh, you know, the issue that you really run into is that um, we still have pockets of individual families and, and individual groups that really have never been impacted. And they're wondering, I've been wearing masks for a year, and I don't know anybody that's died, and why, why, this isn't fair. Uh, we, you, you know, you don't have to look far to find people who have been impacted that have died. Um, and... And so one of the issues that we have is, is as this rolls through the community, there isn't a, a day when it suddenly disappears. It, it is a gradual, it was a gradual increase and it will be a gradual decrease. Uh, and our ability to put um, vaccines into people and get people's um, natural immunity boosted so that they are immune to this virus or potentially immune, um, that also takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. We can't just vaccinate everyone simultaneously. That takes time as well. And so what you're, what you're dealing with is kind of a messy situation, but at, at the end of the day, uh, the light is definitely at the end of the tunnel. You know, we had um, some planning meetings, um, both with local health departments and, and state and federal officials when this first hit, as we were looking at the forecast based on, on the best data that we had at the time, and if you'd have asked me back in, in March or April when I thought we would be talking about um, ending mask mandates, I would have guessed two years, personally. I did not think that there was any way that we would be able to get enough vaccine um, ramped up, delivered, and, and put uh, into the community before probably July, August, September of this year. That was really what I was thinking would start was when we would start. Uh, 
Um, I've been incredibly impressed by all of the hardworking folks that have put a lot of research and time and really sped this up so that we can get things done as, as quickly as possible, recognizing the terrible economic impact that, it, that this virus has, has caused. Um, and so here we are, and I think realistically in Utah, you know, we will be talking about, you know, getting rid of masks entirely by this summer. I think uh, it's maybe a little bit premature to say that, but I, I, that's my feeling um, based on the, on how rapidly we've been able to get vaccines out. Can um, I um, l let me let me well, mention I was something? Say, I was going to say one more thing if I okay. could. Prior to that, right now, um, there are discussions about what this really means because if you're vaccinated and your friend group is vaccinated, there's no reason for vaccinated people to wear masks when they're together, right? And so we will start to see that happening right away. Um, I think there will be recommendations, you know, forthcoming within the next week or two from the CDC saying, hey, if you're vaccinated and you're going to be hanging out with other vaccinated people, there is no reason to wear masks anymore. Uh, the issue that we run into is that not, not everybody is vaccinated. And so we want to provide safe, um, healthy environments for people. And so Asking people to continue to wear masks at the grocery store, I think will continue until we get to a threshold where it's pretty safe for everyone to go maskless around everyone. And that's going to take a little bit more time. Okay. So on um, on the Utah um, Health Department's website, uh, I was just reading some of the things that they had out. And the most recent um, piece of information that I could find, at least, was the end of February. And we're a little beyond that. But back then, uh, it was like as of February 23rd, um, almost 500,000 first doses of the vaccine have, have been given out. And of course, now we've got Johnson & Johnson in the mix, mm -hmm. um, which only requires one dose. Right. But um, at that point in time, it had said that um, those counties that were considered in low transmission, and of course, at that point in time, that was only, I think, four or five of the 29 Utah counties were had that distinction. But mm -hmm. those that had those, that once we hit 1.6 million first doses of vaccine, that those would be allowed, at that point in time, the mandates would be over for masks. Right. That we could say, okay, We've got enough of these. Uh, we we think there's enough vaccine vaccinations uh, that have entered into the the population pool. That if you're in a low area, now I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. Um, they have they have a couple different ways of determining whether a county is low, moderate, or high. And I know that Daggett County is low right now. Duchesne County is moderate, and Uinta County is high. And we have to have a certain number of positive cases or. Uh, per capita per 100,000 cases mm -hmm. uh, in 14-day period have to reach a certain level. I mean, all of this, all these numbers are, I don't know who comes up with them or how they work, but... Uh, I was in those discussions that helped try to come up with those, and I don't know how much I contributed. I, I know that there was a lot of discussion, and it's incredibly difficult to reach a consensus, right? What, sure. What are, we, what are we trying to do? And ultimately, it comes down to how rapidly it's spreading, how many people are currently infected, and how full our hospitals are. That's really what it boils down to. Those are sort of our three metrics. How many people are currently infected? How much are they spreading it to each other? And how full are the hospitals? Right. And if we can get those things low, we will open up. Okay. So again, as of February 23rd, we were about a third of the way there as far as number of vaccines. Mm -hmm. And I want to come back to you and ask some questions, but I need to make sure we get uh, chilling in here. I don't, I don't get equal time. Um, when it comes to that idea of at some point in time 
restrictions will be lifted, meaning that, that there is some line that's drawn that says we've got a number, and when we reach this number, if that number is th- here, then health departments feel like we're okay. We don't need the to have those masks anymore. I'm wondering from um, the community action group, until that time comes, what what are the action items that you're hoping your group is able to influence? What do you hope people do? And then if the mandates are lifted, what does this group's primary goal become? Okay. Um, oh, dear. Um, now I kind of lost. That's um. all right. Let me, let me, let me back up. I'll, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do one part at a time here. The first is... Um, it, it appears that at least in the state of Utah that they have some um, quantifiable number that they're looking at, that they're saying mm-hmm. once we get to this point in our number of vaccines and once we get to this point, meaning once we've lowered the number of daily cases that are, are showing up, that that is our, our break-even point. That's when we go, okay, nobody needs to wear masks anymore in that county um, until that time comes. What is the community action group's um, main goal? What what is it that you're you're hoping to achieve, and you hope people do uh, as we as we approach that goal, realizing that there that there actually may be an end in sight, and that end in sight may be this year. Okay, um, our main focus is our rights, our rights to choose. It's our body. Mm-hmm. We should be able to choose whether we have a vaccine. We should be able to choose whether we wear a mask. There are a lot of reasons people can't wear masks. If you've been sexually assaulted, if you have had your airway blocked, if you've had someone put their hand over your mouth and nose Mm -hmm. until you almost died, what about, you remember Elizabeth Smart? Elizabeth Smart was hidden in plain sight because she was masked. And that was when masks were not even common. Mm -hmm. Child trafficking has increased. Um... People are able to camouflage and take take people with masks. Hmm. The largest group affected by this are our elderly. So why are the masks on our children when our children are the least likely to get the disease? They don't spread the disease. Why are the masks on the kids? That's a big question. And I, a lot of us believe that it's conditioning. It's training for later, that there's going to be another time that we wear masks. This is not going to be the end. This was a test to see how compliant we would be, and okay, it so will go forward, and there's... they will continue to mandate and take our rights to. So I'm I'm wondering, and 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 forgive me, I'm, I'm going to push you a little bit on this. Mm-hmm. Um, in in 1918, when the when the uh, influenza epidemic of the time occurred, mm-hmm. and mask mandates uh, occurred at that point in time, mm-hmm. there were similar things that happened as far as. Uh, there was uh, a, a lot of people who adopted it because of the um, the messaging was, hey, let's protect our troops. We're still in the middle of World War One, and in order to make sure that we don't get anybody sick, let's wear masks. Um, but that didn't mean that everybody felt that way. A lot of people felt that it was still uh, all about freedom um, and that people shouldn't be forced to wear something like that. Uh, and yet, eventually, those mask mandates went away. Uh, World War One ended. Uh, there were a couple of periods in which people stopped wearing masks, and the transmission rate went up, and then it came back down. It went back up, but but eventually it went away. And and um, as far as 
community wearing masks for a long period of time. Uh, I don't think that there's another episode that happened until now where there's been mandates. Uh, you might be able to correct me on this, but I don't think there was. Not in the United States. Um, at that point in time, now I realize that I'm going you know, back over 100 years, mm-hmm. but... Um, is there, why is there a difference between the motivation, unless there is no difference in your, in your opinion, back then versus now when it comes to wearing, why back then wearing masks was really to an attempt to prevent disease and now it's an attempt to control us in some way? There were also people that died, a lot of people died from bacterial pneumonia from wearing masks. And that's another concern because you are breathing that back in we don't even know what um, the effects will be from all the microfibers that we're breathing. People are wearing all different things on their on their face. So even these clinical studies that they say, a lot of them are the N95 masks that they study. They don't study the bandana. They don't study the gauze. They don't study the, you know, old T-shirt. They don't study the gaiters. They don't study the people who are wearing the stretchy sequins that you can mm-hmm. breathe through. You know, there's no consistency among the masks and masks first it started that we were to wear it to protect ourselves then they switched to oh no it's to protect other people so then it becomes a virtue signal where people are like well i'm doing the great thing the better thing i'm saving people i'm not killing grandma mm-hmm. and they shame people who have a different point of view children who cannot wear masks you have you have children who have hearing disabilities now they are compromised they cannot communicate unless people remove their masks that they can see there's just it's it's it keeps changing the cdc and dr fauci keeps changing the goalpost everything gets moved everything gets changed and it's very hard to trust okay when people switch and and it goes from one rule to another rule to another rule now it's not one mask it's two masks it's just okay so generally speaking there there's uh, a lack in uh, a faith in those who are making the rules because the rules and the information as you perceive it coming uh, has varied and, and has never been consistent. And financial gain they have by what they're promoting. Okay. Um, heading back over um, Tri-County Health, um, I, I wanted to get just uh, back into the numbers a little bit just because my numbers are are a couple of weeks old and I'm wondering, and, and I apologize for not prepping you on this, but I'm wondering if you can tell us, uh, generally speaking, from a, a state or a county point of view or, or the tri-county point of view, uh, what direction we're going when it comes to uh, numbers of um, daily cases as well as um, how we're doing on, uh, you had mentioned something about 500 vaccines a day? Yeah, that's just in the Tri-County area. Okay. Uh And, you know, I wish I had um, written that down, some facts or figures. I turned off my cell phone. I could probably look them up, but I turned off my cell phone. That's my fault. I apologize. Thank you for keeping it off, though. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to get interrupted by calls. But, uh, you know, last I looked, I think we were approaching, we had exceeded uh, 800,000 doses in the state, and that's counting first and second doses. And I think we were right around 500,000 um, individuals that were fully vaccinated where they'd had, um, you know, both first uh, and shots, second. first and second doses of like Moderna or Pfizer or a single dose of Johnson & Johnson, as the case may be. Uh, you know, but I don't I don't necessarily have those. But overall, the trajectory has been very good. Um, you know, statewide, we have seen rapid declines in cases. Uh, 
part of that might be warmer weather. You know, we see that with a lot of respiratory viruses where when the weather is bad and the heater in your home is running, it dries out your membranes, you're closer together. It's just harder to get away from people in the cold, cold winter. Mm -hmm. your, uh, your mucous membranes are kind of dried out and a little bit more exposed and things just seem to spread person to person very rapidly. And as the weather gets nicer, we tend to see that most respiratory viruses start to decline as we all start to spend a little bit more time outdoors. We can open windows. The heater isn't running all the time and our membranes aren't all dried out. We start to we start to see those decreases. And so some of that's driven by vaccines. Some of that's probably driven by weather. Um, you know, but ultimately, I, I think the trajectory of the state, we are now down to levels that we really haven't seen since back in, you know, September. Um, so we had this huge spike over the winter, which we fully anticipated based on the way respiratory viruses usually spread. Uh, and we're getting to the end of that. Uh, and vaccine, I think, will continue to help drive that down. Um, you know, locally, what we've seen, um, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Daggett is uh, low transmission level. Um, Duchesne is moderate transmission. And Uinta was moderate last week, and it bumped back to high this week. Okay. Uh, we have seen a little bit of a, of a resurgence um, in overall cases in Uinta and, and in spread. And so Uinta County is not really out of the woods yet, but we have had a really good trajectory, and we're nowhere near where we were a month ago or two months ago when we were really seeing peaks in spread. Uh, so, you know, there's a little been a little bit of a bump in the road there uh, in the Vernal area, um, where we've seen some some continued outbreaks among some um, susceptible populations, um, but overall, you know, we're we're looking good. I I anticipate that you know as weather improves and vaccines continue to roll out, that that we'll see rapid declines. And I would not be surprised at all if three weeks to a month from now, all three counties were low, assuming that people continue to do what they what they should be doing. You know, which is if you are sick, um, stay home. Don't expose other people. Uh, if you are going to the store, you know, the reason that we're asking healthy kids to wear masks and healthy individuals to wear masks is because a lot of people don't get any symptoms. And, and, and honestly, that's probably one of the most frustrating things about this virus is that the majority of people who get it, really, it's bad cold. Um, and so and, and, and quite a number of people who get it have no symptoms really at all. They don't even know that they're spreading a virus. And that's what's made it so sort of insipidous and so difficult for us to, to put our finger on. And ultimately, we just said everybody just needs to wear masks. The most effective thing would be to say anybody who currently has virus in their body should wear a mask. But you wouldn't know. Uh, half the time, you wouldn't know if you had a virus in your, if you were exhaling viruses. And so it made more sense for us to just say everyone wear a mask until until we get through this. And right. So that's sort of where, where we're at. Okay. But I think we're on a good trajectory. I think I think we'll probably be moving into low, at which point the mask mandates will uh, will fall off. Um, and if we get enough people um, vaccinated and, and if the vaccine works like we think it will, um, hopefully we don't see a resurgence, this resurgence of, of infections this coming winter. Uh, if we don't get a lot of people vaccinated, if we have a lot of people opting out who've never been exposed, then I would expect we'll see a resurgence this this winter, and, uh, and and we'll go from there. But I would not expect it to be nearly as severe as as what we've seen thus far. Okay, knowing what we know, knowing how to handle it, understanding more about the transmission, and one of the best things that we've gained, I think, throughout this process was time. 
you know, by some of the early real sort of lockdowns and 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 really aggressive um, strategies to try to stop spread, we bought our physicians time to look at those peer-reviewed studies and try to understand. Early on, there was some evidence that maybe you know it was chloroquine or or um, or some other things that might really help with this particular virus. And as we bought time and we were able to do more studies and really look and see what was working and what wasn't, we've come up with much better strategies, much better treatment. The number of people who get hospitalized, I mean, the number of hospitalized people who actually die is declining rapidly because we understand better how to treat this um, than we did a year ago. And and I think, you know, overall, when I look at the public health response, I think overall we, we've been very successful in the sense that we've prevented overwhelming of our hospitals. And we bought our hospitals and doctors time to figure out what was going to work and how best to treat patients. Um, and if that's all we accomplished, I feel like we've, we've been pretty successful. Um, but we can still prevent needless deaths um, among people who might otherwise um, die if they were exposed by simple things washing your hands often, mm-hmm. uh, staying home when we're sick, uh, wearing a mask when you're going to be in public places. And, and I want to make it clear that really the mask mandates don't really apply to you in your personal life. It's really in public places, public school, at the grocery store. I would highly recommend, you know, if you're going to get together as a family and, and you haven't yet had the virus and you might be in an age group or in a, you know, have a a health, an underlying health issue that you encourage everybody at that gathering to also wear masks until more people are vaccinated, you know. But ultimately, our desire from the beginning of this has not been to control what you're doing in the privacy of your own home. It's to try to prevent spread in public places. Okay. Thank you. I, I had a question for you, but we're, we're running low on time. I want to make sure that we get back to Shelly over here because I'm, I, I'd like to, to get maybe some final thoughts from you, Shelly, as far as um, what you hope um, action that the public would take, or or or, or what are final thoughts that that any viewers or listeners listening to this podcast would take from this conversation that uh, maybe we haven't gotten to? Because obviously we we could talk for another five seven hours if we wanted to. <laughs> um, but from from the community action uh, group's point of view, um, okay. Final thoughts. Community action. We we ask you to research. Now, when you research, you cannot research googling. You can't research in mainstream places because things are censored and blocked. So use a search engine like DuckDuckGo and be able to go look at things. Um, study some of these doctors who have have done science. This Doctors who are working in science. Doctors who are studying something besides what the CDC is saying. Um, I have the insert from the vaccine. The vaccine says that there is no... Food, U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved vaccine to prevent COVID. COVID might be prevented if you get this vaccine. Um, this vaccine has been marketed like any other vaccine that we've had, and it's not. It's not the same. It is made with mRNA that goes in and is using synthetic RNA, which is a half strand of your DNA. Your own body creates things and runs it through uh I think it's the ribocampus. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But we're putting this through there, and it's going to create the spike proteins in your cell. And when your immune system comes into contact with that, there's two things that your immune system does. One is it attacks the infected cell. 
The second is it creates antibodies to surround those proteins. So the problem, what they don't know what might happen is causing a cytokine storm in your body where your body does not recognize that spike protein that has been manufactured in your cells as something that's helpful and it attacks the cells. So those are some concerns of some of these doctors who are looking at um, genetic science and where things are going. So they're playing on our trust that this is the same vaccine that we've always had. Vaccines have increased. Vaccines do not have to go through the trial periods that the other drugs or herbs or natural remedies have to do. Vaccines, you have no recourse. If you have an adverse reaction, if you are maimed, injured, die, you have no recourse against the vaccine company. When you go to vaccine court, you are suing the U.S. government, the taxpayers. So you get to pay for your own lawsuits. Hmm. But the vaccine companies are protected. This is a new business model for the drug industry, for big pharma, that they can get away with selling millions and billions of dollars worth of vaccines with no repercussions. And some of the side effects, this is right from uh, for Pfizer and Moderna, mRNA vaccines are persistent malaise, the extreme an extreme exhaustion, persistent headache and migraine migraine onset, severe allergic including anaphylactic reactions, multi-symptom inflammatory syndrome, seizures and convulsions, paralysis including Bell's palsy, swollen lymph nodes and sudden death within hours or days. So there's not much informed consent. We're just being told, this is what we've always done. This is how we've always done it. This is safe. This is, this is fine. This is different. And people are not being informed of the risks of what they're, they're taking on. And there's been no clinical studies. We are the study. They are watching the people that they are injecting now. That's where the study is taking place. It didn't take place beforehand. Well, this has uh, been... Uh, an amazing discussion. Like I said, we 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 could take just that and, and talk for another hour. I was going to say I could um, probably respond to that for an hour, but uh, but what we'll do is we'll we'll allow uh, listeners and viewers to take uh, both pieces of information and and use it uh, um, how you will. Uh, again, this was an opportunity for us to hear from both sides. I, I appreciate the the candor as well as the uh, respect that uh, was here today. Thank you for both for for showing up. Um, I'm supposed to read something here at the very end, so let me get my piece of paper. Um, thank you all for listening to the Channel V6 podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your favorite pod- podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at channelv6.com. Once again, a big thank you to Shelly Martinez with the Uinta Basin Community Action Group and from uh, Kirk Benj, our Tri-County Health Department Director. Uh, and thank you all for listening and watching. Have a great day.